When there's something strange in your neighbourhood, which podcast are you going to listen to? Sidekick Showdown. Welcome to Sidekick Showdown, the podcast that pits your favourite sidekicks head to head and asks the question, who would you want in your corner? I'm Martin Potts and as always I'm joined in this journey across galaxies and through different dimensions <laughs> to discover all things sidekick mm. by Adrian May. How are you, Age? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm feeling positively whimsical. That was a nice long introduction you gave me. It sounds like we're going to go on some real adventures today, Martin. We are, we are. <laughs> to the edge of the universe and back. I hear there's a really good restaurant there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, thank you for joining us again for episode number 11. We have uh, we got our Halloween episode out of the way, ill-fated as it was, but... Thank you for, for sticking with us. We're, we're already planning ahead, trying to find uh, some sidekicks for next Halloween uh, so that we're good and ready when that rolls around next year. Mm-hmm. Can't miss that um, one. You've got to plan this far ahead if you want to get ahead in the sidekick podcast business. That's right. That's right. If we, if we want to be, you know, the, the go-to podcast in the, in the t- TV and movie sidekick so, podcast uh-huh. genre... Which is a hardly contested. Um, it's a tough hmm. nut to you know crack. What? That Actually, one. Uh, that was a bit Freudian, wasn't it? Because it is hardly contested. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to think. I'd like to think we are the premier uh, mm-hmm. movie sidekick comparison podcast in, in the world. Um, but we've got some great episodes coming up, which we will tell you all about at the end of the episode. But before that, um, I'm ready to leap straight into it. Age, are you? I cannot wait. Let's kick it off. Thanks for joining us for episode 11 of Sidekick Showdown. It's the despair in Times Square. In the red corner, from New York City, comes a paranormal investigator who will fearlessly follow his curiosity into whichever strange neighbourhood unusual ghostly activity leads him. Despite being the most qualified, he'll stay firmly in Peter Venkman's shadow as he and his fellow Ghostbusters seek to contain nefarious spirits in all their forms. He's the co-creator of the Proton Pack and has a PhD to boot. Just don't get him thinking about marshmallows. It's Ray Stance. Age, who's in the blue corner? Well in the blue corner, wiping his brow with his towel and ready to fight, it's the president of the galaxy's hitchhiking semi-cousin. After rescuing our reluctant hero, Dent Arthur Dent, from a doomed Earth, this Beetlejuicean with a healthy respect for cars carries on exploring the galaxy with our gang to help find the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. He's our dominant life form on Earth with the travel guide you didn't know you needed. It's Ford Prefect. Jolly good. We've gone all uh, all sci-fi this week. We have, yes. Space and yeah, ghosts. I mean, they are... They're both both kind of sci-fi, aren't they? I mean, not sort of a bit loose, really. A ghost they're science? Not, they're, well, they make yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, they're not sci-fi like uh, they're not sci-fi like Star Wars is sci-fi, are they? Well, I I feel like the slant of Ghostbusters though is from a very scientific perspective, so I think we can allow it. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, we've got two um, yes, dimension spanning in one way or another sidekicks today so i suppose we'll get in and chat about um about our boy ray yes indeed did you just say purple ray i said our boy ray oh i thought you said purple ray okay 
purple. I just thought oh, this no, was I'm like some kind of like purple rain. Purple rain. We all know that you're the one who sings on this show. Yeah, that's right. You just inspired me to. As you always do, H. I always feel like singing when, when, when we're together. Um, yes, let's get straight into it with round one. Round one. Fight. Well then, Ghostbusters. What a lot to say about this uh, about this franchise age. What, what can we possibly say about the Ghostbusters that hasn't been said by a million uh, YouTube comments? Uh, I don't know, but um, it's it's our job. We've been sent here to this earth to try. Mm. Let's not talk about the uh, the remake. I think we all know uh, every story there is to tell about that. There's no you need and to... I have had some. Very extensive conversations about that film in particular. <laughs> we have, we have. Um, no need to get into that. Luckily, we're only discussing Ghostbusters 1 and 2 today, uh, starring Bill Murray, Ernie Hudson, Harold Ramis, and of course, Dan Aykroyd. Um, I'll recap Ghostbusters briefly, and then uh, and then we'll, we'll chat about Ray. The Ghostbusters, as it's a tale as old as time, as it were, <laughs> and... Um, I'm sure everybody has has seen it. It follows the the adventures of mostly three and kind of uh, Winston as well later on, mm-hmm. um, as they study and combat the evil spirits of New York City. Not once, but twice. Yes. Um, they. It also includes uh, Peter Venkman and his attempts to woo Sigourney Weaver's Dana. Mm-hmm. Um, twice and it involves the city of New York not trusting them and then coming around and uh, supporting them twice as well so I'm sensing a theme in your analysis here (laughs) I love Ghostbusters and I just watched Ghostbusters 2 for the very first time in in preparation for this episode and I liked it fine I mean it was basically the same film again with just a different manifestation of Ghost yeah, just like instead of the Zool, it's now um, a painting. Yeah, and a bunch of pink slime. Yeah. Um, so it was perfectly fine. It was pretty good, pretty funny. Um, it had the They both got the, the uh, state official who hates them and wants to shut them down that gets their comeuppance. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's just a lot, a lot of similarities between the, um, between the two movies, which I found kind of um striking age <laughs> are you are you a ghostbusters fan of old uh yeah i mean i think i kind of grew up watching them a bit um i do think it's one of those uh franchises that fell a bit victim to uh, like a, a degree of manufactured nostalgia like i think at the time they existed they were appreciated and people kind of continued watching them and then they were almost artificially given this like cult classic status um and which i think mm. was especially triggered when the when the quote-unquote reboot came along a couple of years ago um the one we're not talking about yeah the one we're not talking about yeah yeah uh so i do think that there's a little bit of that that people have kind of like added this protective layer to it that probably doesn't need to exist but i you know i watched them growing up i enjoyed them i was suitably scared by them as a kid in fact i remember one time i have this very vivid memory of when i was oh, maybe about seven or eight at, at primary school and um I think Ghostbusters had just been on TV and, and a number of my friends and I had watched it and uh we 
for some reason there was like a, a supply cl- cupboard, like a cleaner's cupboard that was normally locked that this one day was left open. And we, for some reason, got it into our heads that behind that door was going to be the river of pink slime that's in Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> and we then proceeded to all peek in and all in order of who looked. And was it there? Lie about the fact that it was there. And I distinctly <laughs> remember one of my friends went first and she turned around and her eyes really big and she was like, it's there. And then I was really scared to look and then I went and looked. And of course, it was just full of like buckets and mops and stuff. But I turned around to our other friend who hadn't looked yet and said, oh my God, it's there. Um, so Kids. we just shared in this shed. I would say delusion, but it was just a complete lie. <laughs> but yes, it was a part of my childhood, let's say. I didn't think I watched Ghostbusters for the first time until I was about 15 or so. So, like, Ugh. I didn't have this sort of growing up on it. I never watched the cartoon series, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's kind of one of those things that, that passed me by a bit. But when I, as soon as I did watch it, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, just just up my, um, up my alleyway. I do have a question, though. Okay. At the end of the first movie... Yep. They have a... When the, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man has attacked the building and it's coming after him and all that uh-huh. this is it's witnessed by hundreds and thousands of people yeah, yeah yeah and they then throw a ticker tape parade for the ghostbusters at the end of the movie yep sure why is it that they then in the five years all forget that ghosts exist and everyone's like i don't believe in ghosts we've never admitted that ghosts exist. it's like you all saw it you all saw it happen you know, New York's a very transient city. Uh, <laughs> Pretty cynical place. People, yeah, and people come and go. You know, maybe the turnover was just 100% except the Ghostbusters yeah. <laughs> and Sigourney Weaver. It's just so weird. Like, I mean, I can understand if the business has slowed up because there's, you know, that after that it all kind of goes back to normal or whatever. But the fact that people are so, like, hostile towards them, it was found really sad. Maybe they um, thought it was like my childhood story where they just all thought that they were collectively lying to each other. <laughs> that is almost certainly what it is. Yeah, I think so. Solved. There you go. Question Mystery answered. Solved. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, now, before we talk about Ray, I want yeah. to talk about Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, because okay. are you aware of what a nut bar Dan Aykroyd is? Yeah, I have a little bit of a... Um, not a great deal. I've kind of avoided it, but I've seen him uh, impl- implicated, suggested to be uh, uh, written about in in kind of a bit of a he's a bit of a nutbar way. I'm trying to be really now. By, I should preface this by saying that um, by all accounts, he's a very nice man, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and also that without his belief in this, there probably would never have been a Ghostbusters because it, it was all born out of his interest in. Um, the paranormal and yes but he basically if there is something you can believe in that has no evidence he believes in it mm-hmm. he yes. loves it all he, he his um, grandfather was a, a or great grandfather possibly did like seances and stuff and he um, oh, wow. is adamant that when he was a kid uh, his great grandfather and and his wife ghosts of them visited him or something when he was a kid or something oh god is is he a flat earther um that wouldn't surprise me he's definitely a ufoer um he loves a bit of alien life he believes that aliens already live here on earth oh wow um 
and that the only reason they haven't made themselves known is because they um, hate, they want nothing to do with humans because we're so violent. To be fair, that's not an indefensible position. Yeah, I mean, that, it's certainly that side of things is the most plausible bit of it. I'm sure that if there were aliens living here, you know, he's probably right. They wouldn't want um, to to draw attention to themselves and be associated with with uh, with humans. That's yeah. that that part doesn't bother me at all. Um, <laughs> he he believes in all sorts. Every he also is the um, like the spokesman uh, for Crystal Head Vodka. Which comes in a really nice. attractive, like um, clear skull yeah, bottle, yeah. Um, but he really believes in like the crystal skulls as a <laughs> thing as well. Aww. He is batshit. He is all over the place, and yet, <laughs> like I say, I say that f- thoroughly in the knowledge that without him and his zany beliefs, uh, we would never have had Ghostbusters. Blessed so with the I cinematic guess... masterpiece that is the two Ghostbusters films. Yeah, so I, I I guess we'll have to just let him off. Reluctantly, you'll have to concede. Uh, so, the uh, the plot of Ghostbusters is not, um, you know, it's not Citizen Kane. I think, <laughs> I've, I think I've already covered it in as much um, detail as, as is required. So let's talk about Ray. Um, Ray is a... Uh, a a committed and studious scientist. He takes it very seriously. I think it's um, suggested that he and Venkman studied together, uh, but whereas Venkman is, has blatantly been copying off him the whole time, and uh, Venkman's gone just down the route of being a, a con man and a hustler, mm-hmm. um, just a really shady bastard, basically. Ray is actually a, seems like a very genuine, nice person who's really genuinely enthusiastic about his science and and wants to learn and to do good in the world. So there's yeah. a nice uh, starting point. And is also, of course, very um, intelligent as, as well. Um, although he seems to love the flagpole in the, uh, in the Ghostbusters um, premises a little bit too much. <laughs> uh, Age, what do you think about Ray is his general personality. Are you sold on him? He, he, I, I have a bit of a Garth thing coming through. All right. I have two notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's always promising when I allude to how many notes I have on a character, I think. One of them, Depends the one that relates are. to Ray, <laughs> I wrote, Ray is such a piece of soggy, wet cardboard. So, oh, poor Ray. I don't think he's bad. Like, I think he's a, I think he's a nice guy, and I think he's a bit, you know, he's sweet. He's doing his best. You know, he's like, um, he's like a puppy that is owned by someone who's a real bully. Which is my other point. Which is Venkman is a bully. Yeah, I mean, Ray's a bit of a... He's cast as a bit of a pumba, actually, isn't he? Um, yeah. Getting getting a, a bit of a pumba vibe. Yes. Uh, far more competent. Um, but also, like... Yeah, he's just kind of like... He's just a bit of a goober, I think. <laughs> like, he's fine. He's not bad. I mean, that's... As an individual, I think as a sidekick, he, you know, he does plenty. But as an individual, he's just kind of like... He's just the... Like over enthusiastic super eager but 
also good things. I'm, I'm I'm sensing that we're not going to agree that much on this. I I want to I want to try and make the case for for Sweet Ray because he like like I was saying, he really does want to do good with his science and wants to understand the world around him to to a great degree. He but he's also pretty useful. He sorts out the car. He mm-hmm. convinces them to get the the premises, which is such a an iconic <laughs> uh, you know location in film. Um, he after they go out of business in at the start of the second one, has he is he depressed? Is he downtrodden? Yeah, a bit, but he still goes out and does kids parties. He's still happy to go and try and entertain people. I'm not saying he's not a good guy. I'm just saying I think that like him being a good guy doesn't make him a very interesting character. <laughs> Oh well, I don't know. I think I think he's I think he's interesting enough. Uh, I'm, I'm oh, perfectly content to I'm just see a nice man. I mean, I wish that Venkman wasn't such a bully. He is a piece yeah. of shit. He's right he up there with Timon. Garbage. That's he's really horrible the strongest in every part way. of the Timon and Pumbaa comparison. Is that stay they... away from men. Stay away from women. Stay away from babies. Stay away from everybody. Go away, Peter Venkman. You're yeah, the worst. He is. Like abhorrent. I mean, he's, you should die he, alone. <laughs> it, it, so in the same way, like, so I think Ray is kind of Ray is a nice guy. He's a good guy. I think his character's kind of dull. At the same time, Venkman is a jerk. He's a bully and he sucks. But his character is entertaining for that. So it's yeah, not just like is. I mean, as a as a who I would want to hang out with, obviously Ray. But I think that's where I get the soggy wet cardboard thing from. I maybe I spoke too viciously. Well, I'm feeling hurt on his behalf, definitely. I can tell. I can tell. I really have committed a grave atrocity here today. As a sidekick as well. Very, you know, I think I can repeat a couple of things. He sorts out the car. Yeah. You know, they need, that's, that's good, uh, good sidekicking there. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's being useful. But he's also very brave. He steps forward to face Zool when Venkman's like, you go get him, Ray. Yeah, when they're like, where do the stairs Coward. go? Up. And then he kind of looks up and then he's like, okay, after you, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. And also in the second one, he um, willingly and pretty much immediately dives into the river of slime when uh, when Winston falls in as well. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, he's he's nice. But he's brave and he's resourceful. He even does some. Uh, he d- even does some, uh, like play o- play along play acting when they uh, the cops are trying to stop him drilling in the in the middle of uh, First Avenue, and he's <laughs> he just suddenly jumps into this uh, hilarious be- construction worker character. <laughs> to be fair, I I think that partly like it's it's probably a bit suffering from the Bill Murray effect, which is like Bill Murray's just any any part he plays is such a strong like it's so hard to be another person in a Bill Murray movie because I just feel like Bill Murray is so I don't know charismatic charismatic so it takes up so much space kind of (laughs) in a I know what you mean I'm a bit sick of his shtick though I don't know about you like I like Groundhog Day and I like Ghostbusters but yeah the grouchy, oh, just, you know, guy who... Yeah, sort of cynical him. curmudgeon with a heart of gold sort of thing. Um, yes. yes. He was actually considered for casting as um, 
Zaphod in uh, Hitchhikers as well, apparently. Well, I think he would have done a much better job than Sam Rockwell, but we'll get on to <laughs> we'll that get later. To that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that's probably why my, my perception of Ray has suffered a little bit because Bill Murray is just such a, yes, takes up so much space in a, in a film. I will grant you he's not like super funny but he is I don't know there are, he does have some good moments and they're mostly born out of the fact that he is kind of a bit of a wet blanket mm-hmm. uh, and he so when he does something that's a bit more dynamic it's quite amusing um what do you think of the um very controversial moment where uh, Ray gets um a blowjob off a ghost <laughs> that he's dreaming though right is he <laughs> Easy though. I was watching this with my boyfriend who has never seen it before and he was just like, what the fuck at the end of that scene? And I was like, you know, I've never, I obviously, when I was a child, I did not realize what was happening there. And I, it's yeah. been a while since I've seen it, but I think that's approximately the correct reaction. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. even if it's a dream, that's still what he's dreaming about. I mean, like it wouldn't could... surprise me at all. I mean, it, I'm guessing that Dan Aykroyd wrote that scene, so take what you want yeah. from that. <laughs> but, like, actually, yeah, and given what we've just said about Dan Aykroyd believing in mm. all sorts of shit, he probably... Mm. Yeah, okay, we've just dug a well. I don't know I wanted to go down, but that's fine. He's writing from, writing from experience, you know, write what you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually had very specific directorial notes on that scene. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, now we've all got that image in our heads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, uh, I guess he's... I know what you mean. He is a little bit middle of the road in general. And, he, yes, definitely he does suffer from being in, um, in Venkman's shadow and both in terms of him as a character and, and also on, on film as well. Um, mm. But I think he's got... a a pretty clear motive in terms of what drives him he's got like a real enthusiasm and interest which was i'm sure very easy for for dan Aykroyd to um portray <laughs> and um yeah he, he does a lot of practical stuff to help the ghostbusters along and um it just always seems pretty pretty upbeat and uh yeah I, I'm, I'm a fan i'm a fan okay okay i'll um i'll allow it i'll i'll, I'll you've not to give anything away, but you may have just compelled me to make some adjustments to my final scores. So That's all I can ask for. Um, now, before we go any further, before we get to Knockout Blow, it's time once again <gasps> for Age's Memory Test. <sighs> Age's Memory Test. Now, I'm a bit worried about the memory test this week. I, I, I really felt that between the films, there was not, I don't, I didn't find the normal like list of things. I didn't find it was like, oh yeah, I can get age to rattle off four or five of these. <laughs> or you can um, try and get age to rattle off four or five <laughs> of these. challenge you to rattle off four or five of these and get yeah. one or two. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's actually going to be quite similar to the labyrinth one. Right, okay. All I want is a four word phrase. I want the answer to I am the key master. I am the gatekeeper. Yay! Yay! I knew it was an easy one this week. Um, <laughs> that was as good as I could come up with. I'm, 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 I've, 
although it was you have passed stage and i don't want to take that away from you thank you that is certainly the easiest stages memory test that we've had so far at least we won't have people like yelling at us while listening to our podcast this time so yeah, <laughs> that's good absolutely uh and you've broken the the trend of of succeeding every third episode so you're an episode ahead awesome um, so that's means I've got in, the next in, four episodes to fail, well, three episodes to fail, and then I can get Well, back I was on thinking track. it's uh, it's going to inject uh, an element of mystery into next time, because no one's going to know what to expect now. You've thrown yeah, because right we do the rig game. them all, all of the That's quizzes correct. we rig. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is all scripted. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, there we go. Uh, with that in mind, I'm ready to go to the old knockout blow. How about you? Are you? I cannot wait. Let's go. Knockout blow. Well, um, there are many ways that a sidekick can support uh, a protagonist. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about some of the different ways emotionally. Sometimes it's been physically. um, And sometimes in just giving them great advice or or support or whatever. But the other way is financially. (laughs) And Ray is the first sidekick that we've had, I think on Sidekick Showdown, who has uh, financed the entire operation. Mm-hmm. So my knockout blow for Ray is the fact that he mortgages his parents' house in order to establish the Ghostbusters business and get them their premises and so on. A- fabulous. Again, just a complete victim to Venkman's bullying, but it is still a noble, such a, a noble such sacrifice. A piece of shit. But, you know, he does it, and yeah, Venkman's bullying him into it, but... He gives it. He 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 does that for the team, mm-hmm. and obviously it pays off. And if they if they hadn't done that, Dana would have never been able to find them. And God knows what uh, what would have what would have happened in New York City. Doesn't oh, bear thinking about, been. does it? No, no. Well, my knockout blow for Ray is um, related to that, and uh, it is the moment when they're looking through the old the old uh, fire station, I guess, mm. and. Uh, the Venkman and Egon have decided not to, or they're doing the hard sell. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then uh, Ray just comes careening down the fireman's <laughs> pole, a look of childlike glee on his face and uh, declares that, of course, they're going to take it. And as, as you've said, as the, uh, as the financier, um, <laughs> I think it's final say, and just that moment when he comes down there to secure them such a, um iconic location for the Ghostbusters HQ, I think is is his knockout blow. Good answer. Thanks. No complaints there. Wicked. One final thing before we uh, move on. Yeah. Uh, Ecto-1, the car. Yeah. Very recognisable, very very familiar to in, in pop culture. Fucking really annoying noise. And I know it's supposed to be, but really irritating. Sounds like a dying The cat. siren? Yeah. Right. Are you going to play a little bit of it here, just for anyone who might have forgotten? Yeah, you better believe it. Wow, what a good audio clip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Glad no, you no, enjoyed it. It. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is pretty annoying, and... Yeah, it, it sounds like someone took a regular siren and like I don't know I don't know how sirens work. I'm going to be strangled honest. Strangled like, Yeah, strangled it, twisted it, put a hole in it, or all of the above, in fact. Well, there we are. That's um, that's Ray discussed. Luckily, so I don't think there's any more on. sidekicks in Ghostbusters, so we don't have to watch them again. 
<laughs> you don't have to listen um, to the noise. <laughs> not, not unless we end up doing one on the, um, you know, the film that shall not be named. Yes. We're never doing that, or if he's. <laughs> That's going to be my goal for the rest of this, the life of this podcast is to get you to talk about that film. If we ever oh, do no, it, it'll be the last episode. It. So okay, maybe that'll be. That's what it go out on a sad, sad bang. Uh, Well, with that in mind, let's uh, go uh, interdimensional and across the universe in round two. Round two. Fight. Okay, so Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You've uh, this was your first time watching it, Martin. It was excellent. I had seen it before. My so this is where I have to admit, um, and I know that I'm going to get crap from my family for this that I've haven't read the books yet i'm sorry dad and i'm sorry andrew i'll read them at some point but i've never read the books yeah. before um i read them as a kid but can't remember them at all so i was essentially going in, I, I knew a few of the jokes and and characters and whatnot um but i really had no concept of what it actually entailed and a lot of those i just think come from um existing in the world today yeah just osmosis isn't yes. it yeah yeah um so uh Yes, just going off the movie because the books are, don't matter at the moment. But of course, uh, Hitchhikers is based off the well books, but originally a radio series by Douglas Adams. Um, and uh, I wasn't aware of this, but apparently, basically each iteration um, of them kind of follows a different, a bit of a different plot. So they all have a similar premise, but they go a few different directions with it. So for the film, um, it starts off with the Earth getting uh, exploded. Um, after Arthur Dent is at the very last second um, zapped off with his friend Ford Prefect onto a Vogon spaceship that's doing the exploding. They hitchhike um, onto the spaceship. After being discovered on there, tortured a little bit, they then get ejected into space and quite improbably then picked up by a spaceship that includes that's being uh, captained by the president of the galaxy who's on the run from the law after kidnapping himself and with him is uh, Trillian who is also the love interest for our protagonist Arthur Dent Uh, they essentially the rest of the movie follows the thin plot I think you would have to admit of um, adventuring out in the galaxy trying to find the ultimate question uh, of the life the universe and everything which they already have the answer to, which, as you probably know, if you're listening to a podcast, is 42. But they're looking for the question. Uh, They get kidnapped and drugged by mice at a point, but there's a happy ending. That's basically the movie. You know, I'll admit something to you, Age. Normally when we do these episodes, when you're doing your, uh, you know, the synopsis of the film, mm-hmm. I normally I'm, I'm tuned out a little bit. I'm, that's what I'm sort of doing my handsome Dan bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and I'm sort of just making sure I know what I'm going to say and thinking about points to make and so on. Yeah. I've never listened so intently because <laughs> I was dying to know, A, what the plot was, and B, how you would describe what the plot was. <laughs> What a fucking mess this film is. <laughs> yeah, look. It's... Yeah, I I even had it with... Um, I kind of... I, I I enjoy this movie um, at a very, on a very kind of superficial level. Why? Because 
what there's nothing to enjoy about it it's like it the first 10 minutes were okay uh-huh. and i was like okay this is this is not too bad this is pretty promising i quite liked the dolphins thing at the start and then the first bit yeah the, i've had that stuck in my head everything. for about two weeks <laughs> <laughs> and but then as soon as they get off earth i was just lost completely now and i will concede that i think some of this is a result of adapting from the book which i know douglas adams has a very zany python-esque kind mm-hmm. of sense of humor but yes. even bearing that in mind i just thought it was a big cluttered fucking mess just from top to bottom yeah i mean a few so a few things i've um fans of the books and the series the you know I don't, you can't just call them books because there's a whole fans of the world of hitchhikers by and large are not huge fans of this film um and a few descriptions and justifications that i heard from that that i can kind of really understand is one of them it was basically from someone who didn't who hadn't um watched any of the films uh, or read any of the books or listened to any of the show before um said that it was basically a series of inside jokes that were just you know basically said in a in a in a and recorded and put together in a movie um which I can kind of see. On the other side, which it probably reflects that from from people who are actually fans, one of the descriptions I saw was that it was a beautiful film, like shot beautifully. The visuals were really beautiful, but hollow, that it has like no real heart to it. And I think that comes partly from the mishmash of the story, but that like I really did, a, even though I kind of enjoyed it as just like a bit of a time waste that's got a few, you know, a few dumb jokes in it. Uh, I get like that the whole nature of it being quite a bit hollow I can kind of see where that comes from that it's it doesn't have a lot of heart it doesn't have a lot of soul it, it is just a series of jokes packed together into you know two hours just less than two hours I would certainly agree it was a waste of time <laughs> also I'm sick to the back teeth and I realise this film came out like 13 years ago so I'm a bit late to the party on this yeah. but I'm sick and tired of lazy film studios just plopping the cast of Love Actually into a film <laughs> and just like do they just get them all as a fucking bundle deal or something it's like get you know you hire Alan Rickman and you get Martin Freeman and Bill Nye for Bill free Bill Nye on the side yeah yeah I'll have the uh, combo like, deal please with do you want you want Freeman on the side yeah uh, Freeman on yeah, the side yeah the, the only thing that I was amazed to find was uh, I was convinced that Deep Thought was voiced by Emma Thompson um, but oh, it was actually Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren, yeah. See? <laughs> See? So I was, and I was like, I'm certain this is Emma Thompson just from the voice and and knowing who else is in this movie. I mean, I think it's um, the same with it. You know, it's the same with everything. It's Harry Potter. It's uh, yeah. other things. Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Yeah, lots of things um, have the, so just lazy. come with the package deal. I think this was quite early days for Martin Freeman, though. Uh, well, yeah, 2005, so he, well, it would have been the year after Love Actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he, he was, was coasting off the high of that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a problem with Martin Freeman, really, and I don't think he's a particularly, um... Oh, Warwick Davis is in it as anything. well. Warwick Davis is the body of... Martin. That's right, yes, he is, isn't he? Yeah, and, so and there's more of yeah. the Harry Potter pack. God, so many of them. So, so many. Because <laughs> Bill Nye's um, in Harry Potter as well. So. Yes, yeah. Uh-huh. Oof. Yeah. Oofa doofa. 
God. Yeah. Well, you know, you buy, you can't get one without the other. Or one without five others. With a, one without, yeah, seven others. What, yeah. Who did Timothy? Who did Timothy Spall play? Oh, uh, Richard Griffiths was the <laughs> Vogon as well. Who's um, yes, Mr. Dursley. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, clearly England doesn't have that many good actors. That's. I mean, that's hardly. You, That's you'd be forgiven for thinking that we don't have many actors full stop, you know, just, <laughs> we've just got these eight. Yeah, we really invested very heavily in these ones, and uh, when they die, we're in real trouble. Yeah, suffice it to say, I, did, I didn't think much of this film. Sam Rockwell, who's a really talented actor, I've seen him be absolutely brilliant in um, The Green Charlie's Mile, Angels. in oh, Seven Angels. Psychopaths, and... Charlie's Angels, yep. Who is he? No, don't answer. Um, <laughs> he's a really, really talented actor, and I know he's done some real standout performances. His turn as Zayford Beeblebrox I found annoying in a way that I don't think the film intended. Okay. Like, I get that he's supposed to be, and in fact, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago. I love like a smarmy asshole character that is really easy to hate like Daryl in Coming to America yeah. but I really enjoyed watching him be a smug asshole whereas this as soon as this guy was talking I was really tuned out oh do you know why? I, I just found it so obnoxious and just just I don't know I don't know it just really irritated me okay. I didn't find it, I didn't think it was funny like it, it was clearly supposed to be played for laughs this character and it I don't know it felt just kind of cheap also, if you've watched Blackadder, uh-huh. he felt like a really pale imitation of Lord Flashheart. <laughs> which I and I'm almost certain that there was some element of basing him off that, uh, but with none of the um, the charm or charisma or of, of, Blackadder, uh, of, yeah. of of Rick Mail as as Lord Flashheart. So I think it was just a combination of all those things really I, could, I just couldn't stand him um, at all and so and yeah any time I'm, I'm not blown away by Zoe Deschanel either so like the combination yeah. of having the Harry Potter cast and then two performances that I really didn't like I, I see um, I also liked Zoe Deschanel but um, and I similar to Sam Rockwell I know she can and I agree that Sam Rockwell can be an excellent actor and I think that Zoe Deschanel can do a lot better than she did in this but she was just kind of simpering and boring I think the only moment that really like had a lot of meat to it and kind of was probably one of those ones that gave gave the film that heart was the point of view gun um, yeah which has th- that moment where she's shooting Zayford and you know he's getting forced to, to understand what it feels like for her which is of course followed by the excellent line that it won't work on me I'm already a woman <laughs> which is great yeah that was I thought that was the best bit of the movie to be fair yeah 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 because I think it, it's the only moment where you actually feel like kind of connected to any of the people that you're watching the rest of the film I just yeah. felt like I think Martin Freeman does well as Arthur Dent um and but he's, well, he's not just Martin Freeman isn't he like, you yeah know, and he's not really designed he's got that one performance yeah he's he's basically just um Bilbo Baggins again yeah so. <laughs> Um, but yes, I or, or Tim from the Office or porn actor from Love Actually. <laughs> porn actor. I think he has a name, right? Whatever. Ah, <laughs> uh, so that should bring us on to our sidekick for the day, Ford Prefect. Mm. So one of the actors you haven't complained about. 
or one of the characters you haven't complained about? Is that because you were holding on to any of your complaints or because you were okay with Ford? I'm okay with him. Okay. I wouldn't say enthusiastically in favour of, <laughs> but uh, pretty inoffensive and wasn't in Harry Potter. Right, okay, so there's two things going for him. <laughs> yes, it's funny because when I was watching it, like, I, I, I kind of liked his character well enough. I thought he played the... Uh, kind of relaxed, almost stoned, uh, super chill sidekick vibe to Martin Freeman's, you know, neurotic and worried. Yes, thing quite well. Um, And I I was kind of like, oh yeah, he's he's a good enough sidekick. And then it came to writing his introduction and I struggled to think of more than two or three descriptive words for him. Because obviously when we do those, you know, end in the red corner... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We write like kind of a paragraph saving the the giveaway until the end. And uh, usually I haven't had that much trouble trying to find up, come up with words and terms and phrases and whatever to describe the character. But today was a struggle because Ford basically has, he saves Arthur Dent at the start. He thought that cars were cool. He's pretty chill. <laughs> and that's kind of all. <laughs> He start. I think he starts off pretty good. I, I quite yeah. liked him initially. He pulls Arthur into the pub. He can sink three pints in, uh, you know, pretty record time. So that's you know good for, good for him. Um, it, and he starts off pretty funny, and he, and 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 seems to be like an important character. But he, as soon as they get off Earth, he kind of just seems to drift into the background a bit, and it, it seems to be more about. Um, Zoe Desch- about Trillian and Zaphod and, and Arthur and he almost just seems to be kind of he's there just to make up the numbers for yeah, well, the back I mean, in, half of the in film in lots of the scenes I mean when they uh, go meet Hamakavula he's not even there he's you know yeah. ch- chatting to that giantess in, outside and yeah. when they're even when they go to um, uh, to Magrathea he's just kind of with them He's not, he have doesn't... you written down the names of the planets, or do you remember these? Because I can't remember any of these. Oh, I remember places them. Or people. I remember them. Outside of the outside of the four main characters and Marvin, I don't remember any character names at all. Okay, well, I, you don't remember Slutty Bartfast. Uh, I remember Bill Nye. Um, I couldn't, <laughs> and I remember that he had a silly name, but I couldn't remember what it was. Okay. Even he uh, says it's not important. To be fair. Yeah. True. 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 <laughs> Um, well, then I won't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even on my uh, my kind of like, you know, my list of, the, you know, we usually, I think both of us probably write the lists of the kind of key sidekicky things that the sidekick does to support their protagonist. And um, st- as you say, starts off really strong. He, you know, goes, meets Arthur, stops the people from destroying his house for a little while, and then literally saves his life from Earth being exploded. Great. Yeah. They get on the Vogon ship and he helps them out a bit. You know, they're trying to get away. He kind of warns him about the Vogon poetry, you know, encourages him a little bit in his attempts to placate the Vogons. Uh, and then it, once they're basically, as you say, once they end up with Zaphod and Trillian, does really nothing. Yeah. Really just falls off a cliff after a really promising start. Yeah. This is what this is what I mean about the film as a whole, though. And, I, I, you know... Because we're not going to have that much to say about Ford, I, I want to explain why that is. Because this film is just such an uneven mess. Uh-huh. Uh, having introduced a character who is 
fairly likable and charismatic and funny. Yeah. 20 minutes, 30 minutes in, they just basically abandon him. Drop um, him, and, yeah. and, and And drop him in favour of Zoe Deschanel and her goldfish stare. And, yes. Um, she looks like she's about to cry all the time in this film. That's just Zoe Deschanel. She always looks like that. Oh, I feel like it's worse in this. I don't know. Her eyes literally look watery all the time. I mean, she always she's always got the big looming eyes. But yeah. I feel like in this, literally, there were scenes and I was like, is she about to start sobbing? Because I think even her nose looked a little bit red and stuff. Like, I don't know. And yes, overplayed Sam Rockwell. Yeah. So that's the problem. They they, they seem, the filmmakers seem to think that uh, that Zephyr Beaver Rocks was going to be the, the, the breakout character, the one that everyone sort of imitates and, and thinks is really funny. And, and actually, I think that um, most deaf as Ford Prefect could have done that. Um, because yeah. I think he's a lot more relatable and, and engaging on the screen, uh, whereas I just found Beeblebrox really off-putting. So you end up with the screen time being taken up by this character who is, who for me at least, is very Too abrasive. Yes, and yeah. and unfortunately, a character who seemed to be promising at the start is just left behind completely. So yeah, I completely agree. He doesn't really. He doesn't seem to kind of have any of the ideas or um, be putting into place any of the actions. He just kind of seems to follow around a group of weirdos and kind of comes along for the ride. In fact, the only th- idea that he has after getting off the Vogon ship is um, right at the end when he suggests they go to the restaurant at the end of the universe. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think he's like... He- what am I trying to say? I don't know. I have no idea either. I think in terms of stuff he does to help. I mean, so he saves Arthur's life. That can't be tonight. He gives him the guide, which is obviously propels the plot forward. And he's, you know, I feel like there was a lot more to his character, both as a, it's kind of what you're saying, but less from like the meta, the movie decided this was who they would have invested in and more the actual quote unquote plot wise. Like there is so much more to his character that could have been given so much more meat to it and so much more interesting and could have been so much like more explored. Like he's a travel writer for the Hitchhiker's Guide. Like sure he's been stuck on Earth for fifteen years or whatever, but like, you know, he's got this whole he's he's two hundred or something. Yeah. He's got this whole history and story that could have been added in or alluded to or uh whatever. It's it's kind of hinted at but never manifests as anything because, you know, after he, he you know, gives um, Arthur the guide and then that kind of becomes the proxy for anything that he could do. Like in do you know who would have done a really good experience? job with this film? Who? Terry Gilliam. Terry like, Gilliam would have knocked this out of the fucking park. It's, it's like right up his street. I don't know who that is. He he was one of the Pythons. He did all the um, oh. all the all the Monty Python artwork. Okay, That's all yes. Terry Gilliam. Okay, I knew and the name he also familiar, would, yeah. he played some minor roles. But if you look up the kind of films that he's done in the past as well, he just does these a lot of really offbeat, weird, um, weird stuff. I think he might have done the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. I'm almost oh, okay. certain that's him. Oh, yeah, uh, and that was a beautiful film as well because i was gonna say i do think that's one of the best things about about um hitchhikers is that like it's very impressively made i do think the visuals and stuff are quite good no yeah absolutely okay what's your funniest gag in the film 
bearing in mind that there's no plot to hold them together, etc., etc., etc. Honestly, the thing I found the funniest was the dolphins at the start, and okay. the, uh, and the idea of well, the visual of them leaping out of the water <laughs> and fl- and fly and flying up, but also um, the the fact that the message so long and thanks for all the fish was misunderstood as a backflip through a hoop. Um, so, yeah, that yes. probably doesn't help that it got um, my favourite joke out of the way in the first two minutes. Well, and I think it's probably also maybe indicative that, like, that's, I, from, as I say, I haven't read the books, but from what I have seen, the first bit is the closest to the actual books and other various media in the hitchhiker's world. So, and that seems to be the part that I think both of us probably enjoyed the most. Uh, so maybe yeah, it says sure. a lot for that. We should, you know, go try the other things again, but uh, not so much for the movie itself now. <laughs> also, yeah. can I just say with, so that the towel thing is, mm-hmm. a, is like, that's, I, I enjoy the, the, uh, the small ways that that reappears. You may not have noticed, because it's your first time watching it, or maybe you did, because you're a more observant viewer than I am. But I've seen this movie a few <laughs> times, and this time I noticed more, like, just small uses of the towels that I hadn't noticed before that are quite um, quite amusing to me. Unfortunately, it has the side effect, though, of uh, I can't watch or think about Ford Prefect or Hitchhiker's Guide without thinking about Towley from South Park. <laughs> Don't forget to bring a towel. <laughs> and combined with the fact that he's a kind of chilled out stoner as well yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. in fact I looked it up they're not related they didn't get the idea from Hitchhikers but it's such a like it was such a close comparison that I struggled to believe that that was the case I guarantee you somewhere there's a fanfic of uh, like the adventures of Ford Prefect and Towley and that Towley. already exists oh my god no, if it doesn't no need for you to stop write stop this podcast that's our new podcast <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. There's nothing more I can say about it. And the film was a fucking mess and didn't do him justice. And I'm certain that I will read the books at some point and I'll probably end up even more furious having done so. About the quality of the film? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I would love to try and defend him a bit more, but I honestly think that there's not much to say because he literally does become. I struggled, and I watched the film a week ago. Struggled in the last few days when I was when I was kind of preparing for this to uh, to think of anything after the first fifteen minutes that he actually does. So there you go. There's let's our, go to knock out blow, shall we? Yeah, let's see what we can do. Knock out blow. Okay, so I'm glad I get to go first because I think it's thin on the ground. But hey, what a surprise! My knockout blow is going to be rescuing Arthur Dent from Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I think that saving our protagonist's life is a good thing for a sidekick to do. Spoiler alert, that's what we like on this show. And uh, so saving Arthur Dent from being exploded by Vogons to make way for a hyperspace bypass or whatever it is, is a pretty good thing for him to do. Good for you. That's it. What have you got well, I knew for his knockout I knew play? that you'd say that, so of I deliberately avoided it. However, it's basically the same thing, which is that he pulls apart the Vogon ship in order to hitchhike again 
um, and transport them onto the ship with uh, Trillian and, and Zaphod. So essentially it's the same action, it's just the second <laughs> time he does it. <laughs> Perfect, I love it. <laughs> I guess yours has, has quite a bit of universal good though because it helps more people. So that's... that's Hey. Yeah, there he's a go. good guy, that Ford Prefect. Good. Well, there we go. Two scientific fictional uh, sidekicks well digested. That might um, be the first time in my life I've ever heard a human person say science, scientific fictional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't come up that much, does it? No. Um, so having uh, gone, I have to say, the thing with Ford is... Mm-hmm. Most of his points are going to come from the fact that he does one really important thing, yeah. <laughs> and like, and it's extremely game-changing. Yeah. Um, so, with that in mind, let's go to the scoreboards and let's kick off with our dear friend from New York City, Ray Stans. Comedicness seven five shenanigans six. Six. Sidekickery. Seven. Seven. The Meowita. Seven. Seven. Subtotal. Twenty-seven. Twenty-five. Well, there we go. And uh, now let's see how good old Ford Prefect does. Comedicness. Six. Five. Shenanigans! Four. Four. Sidekickery. Seven. Seven. The Meowita. Seven. Six. Subtotal. Twenty-three. Twenty-two. There you have it. Oh, okay. We're, we're very in tune today, aren't we? We that are. We, I, it's not often I, that we I, get that I close. I feel like we've also almost like reached the point where by... In a few episodes time we'll only need to do one scoreboard we'll just we'll just telepathically know what the uh we need know, to what the other's thinking throw in a controversial mash match up there to uh to mess with things and see we what do, happens we do maybe we should pick a couple of films that the other one hates maybe we will have to do uh, uh <laughs> lady ghostbusters yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i'll just uh you know we, sh- we should do chris hemsworth character from that because i think he's the only good one Oh God! Um, <laughs> I refuse to see Thor in that light. <laughs> but nonetheless, the results are in. Uh, it's a, a pretty close, close run affair today. Two yeah. relatively evenly matched um, sidekicks, but I think uh, justice has been done. I agree. In the runners-up position, with a score of forty-five, mm-hmm. it's Ford Prefect. Yeah. Uh, he was let down by his own film. Very uh, sad. Wouldn't it have been but, great if his score was three less? Uh, it would. Oh, God damn that's it. a missed opportunity. Yeah, you know, let's time. just scrap this whole episode. Um, <laughs> or, or let's just bodge our scores to, um, to, to get it down there. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, winning the uh, Despair in Times Square Ooh. with a score of 52. Oh, wow. Yeah, not too bad, eh? Yeah. Uh, from them Ghostbusters, who are you going to call? It's Ray, Ray Stance. Ooh, go Ray. I'm, I'm glad that this deserve. has been, despite, 
despite my harshness in his character, I'm glad that this is the uh, this is the end point we've come to. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, I think as it should be. And what does that mean for our top ten? Well, very excitingly, Dory was uh, bottom of the table on 51, which means she has been ousted. I feel kind of emotional about that. She was, yeah, you know, from Dory. one of our earlier episodes, and we've um, maybe um, she I mean, suffered from our inexperience, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I think Ray is uh, is probably a better sidekick than Dory. My scores yes. uh, certain, certainly bear that out. Anyway, um, so Ray goes in at number 10 uh, with a score of 52. Just above him, uh, Donkey, uh, and then it gets really cluttered as soon as you get above that. So it was going to be tough for uh, anyone to break in now and um, see. disrupt who's currently there. Yes. Uh, but yeah, well, well, well deserved victory for old Ray there. Mm-hmm. And Ford is elsewhere. He's on the list somewhere. He's, he's at the end of the universe, yeah. <laughs> yes, he's enjoying <laughs> a lovely dinner. <laughs> well, so with our scores tabled and tallied before we uh, head to After the Bell here is your sneak preview for our next episode so coming up next we have Gromit versus Snoopy in am I going to say this right Hellfire in Lancashire yeah it's funny because it's really pronounced Lancashire but I think we, we, we always knew these titles were going to get a little more uh, <laughs> grasping little as we, <laughs> as we went on Lancashire. Hellfear in Lancashire. <laughs> <laughs> Either one of those. Take your best take your pick of the best pronunciation. So you can look forward to that. And in the meantime, a reminder as ever that we our beautiful, this marvelously produced podcast that you're listening to right now is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and Castbox. And if you are feeling so inclined, chuck us an iTunes review because it really helps us. I don't understand how these things work, but it's what every podcaster says, so it must be true. Um, (laughs) Rate us, review us, like us, subscribe to us. You can find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash sidekick showdown podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at SKSD podcast, where we post our new posters of upcoming episodes that Martin so lovingly designs for us and other stuff we post sometimes too, polls and everything like that. And now to finish off, we'll hit you with some inspiration to get your week going this Sunday. If you're listening to it on the day it comes out, if not on whatever day it is, let's go to After the Bell. <laughs> Just before we do, I think it's worth mentioning with our, with our next episode of uh, Gromit versus Snoopy, yeah. Obviously, two characters that don't speak, but I'm reminded that one of my favourite episodes that we've done so far was also featuring two mute characters in Wilson and Minnie Me. So uh, I'm very excited to get into two uh, non-speaking dog characters. And at um, least both of these ones have facial expressions. That's true. That's true. That's going to be a big, uh, a big. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. But yes, absolutely. Time for after the bell, where we send you off into the sunset with some wonderful, inspirational, or practical oh, advice. Mm-hmm. Indeed, to uh, to take you on your way. Uh, my one from from Ray this week uh, is just a uh, you know a nice musing on on the uh, the joys of education and encourage all of you that are in ed- education currently to. Uh, uh, you know, savor those days because um, as Ray says I liked the university they gave us money and facilities we didn't have to produce anything 
He's right, you know, in the private sector they do expect results. <laughs> That's true, I'm going to send that to all the teachers I know. You do that. So my words of wisdom to kick you off this week, to send you on your way, is uh, from, Ford, from Ford Prefect, where he says, It's a tough galaxy. If you want to survive, you've got to know where your towel is. And with Solid that... Solid advice for anyone, I think. <laughs> I don't know what more we could offer you other than don't panic. But otherwise, that's all from <laughs> us. Have a great week. See you next and time. Bye. bye.